Almost every successful person begins with two beliefs. The future can be better than the present, and I have the power to make it so. Welcome to Be Kindred's Words with Friends, a series of couch conversations with inspiring female entrepreneurial types pursuing their business dream. Each podcast, we explore a new theme that elevates and empowers fierce women just like you chasing their passion in business. We exist to help you overcome the overwhelm of going it alone. And we do this through connection, collaboration, and helping you to take action. My name is Penny Lacanso, founder of Be Kindred. Let's get to it. Okay, so today I'm on the couch with bubbly Amy Crawford from The Holistic Ingredient, and we're talking about a topic that's really close to my heart, which is fucking up in business. So for those of you who don't know Amy, she's a certified health coach, Reiki master, and a practitioner of NLP, EFT, and hypnosis. Amy's online wellness hub, The Holistic Ingredient, and her Whole Foods eBooks, A Nourishing Kitchen, A Nourishing Morning, and Nourishing Kids, combine her passion for food and cooking, toxic-free living, and, and healing therapies. Welcome to the couch, Amy. Thank you very much for having me, Penny. Cool. So um, let's find, a little, find out a little bit more about you before we get into the nitty gritty of fucking up. <laughs> so can you first of all share with us um, what your superpower is? Sure. Um, I would say that my superpower is resilience. Um, I've, I have an extensive background in recruitment, which we might touch on a bit later, but certainly for those of you who have worked in recruitment, you need an awful lot of tenacity um, there are a lot of highs and lows, and that that partic- that experience of sort of having to pick myself up again. You know, you could work months on trying to find a person for a role, and then possibly not find the appropriate candidate and end up with nothing. Mm. Um, so the ability sort of to, to pick yourself up and bounce back was really pertinent in recruitment, and yeah. it was the reason many people didn't succeed. So that I really I really sort of mastered that resilience within that industry and it's been a wonderful strength in 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 this new industry okay yeah cool so you, you've mm. had a bit of an amazing journey in terms of um your career over the years so perhaps start by telling us a little bit um about your career pre-holistic yeah ingredient. sure so I actually never had any idea what I was going to do with my life um and and after I went to university in Tassie and, and ended up moving to Sydney, still with no idea, and, and managed to stumble into recruitment as many recruiters do. Essentially, I was in the recruitment industry for 18 years across um, Sydney, London and Melbourne. And really, my, I guess my greatest strength in recruitment was building relationships. So most positions I was put in um, was basically to, to build networks and to build businesses for other people and, and then ultimately a couple for myself. Yeah. So I absolutely loved it. I was I think that I was good at it because I really, really cared about what I really I really cared about making a difference for people. Um, I loved it because it was just a fantastic challenge and yeah, as I said, I was I was I was making a difference to people's lives. But whilst um, Whilst I felt, whilst I whilst I really enjoyed the journey, at the end of the day, I knew that it wasn't really lighting a fire for me. Yeah. But I could never work out what was, 
and I'd sort of get up every day and, and be excited, relatively excited to get to work, but I had this sort of underlying feeling that there was something else that I could be doing, that I could be giving even more. Um, and then thankfully, thankfully there was a huge catalyst that, that got me out of recruitment and put me on the path that I'm on now. And I noticed, yeah. I think, you, you studied public relations early on, is that Yeah, correct? yeah. So has that weaved in any way into your career? Well, I wouldn't know. Do you know, I actually, to be really honest, I don't think so. So I studied, a, I, I studied, I only did a little bit of PR. Yeah. I did a little bit around communication management. Um, I'm not sure. I, do you know, to be honest, I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think so. But I think... I think one of the best learnings for me out of coming out of recruitment, other than sort of really building that tenacity muscle, was really the notion that relationships are long-term and that this journey is long-term. Yeah. So every decision I made, even in terms of all the relationships that I was forming, and, you know, for instance, in recruitment, recruiters can get a, can get a bad name because it's, they can have this spray and pray sort of attitude. It's got... People, get people into jobs. It's just about bums and seats rather than um, getting someone that's going to stay in the job long term that's and actually exa- add value. Yeah, company. that's exactly right. Whereas what I came to understand was that it was all about the long term and the big picture. And even, you know, I would very happily say to a candidate, you know what, you probably will get that job, but I think you could get a better job. In the knowledge that that particular candidate could end up being the CEO of a business and then turn around and say, look, you know, that recruiter I dealt with, you had such amazing integrity. I want to give her all our business, you know. Uh-huh. So it's yeah, of, yeah. So that is sort of that is my mindset. It's never about a quick fix in business. Yeah, it's very much about doing the right thing by everybody that you deal with, with absolute integrity and transparency. It's interesting though because recruitment is so cutthroat. It is totally, um, totally, and and I think because of this, so I probably wasn't the typical recruiter that would make no. massive billings very quickly. But over an eighteen-year career. I mean, particularly in Melbourne, so I was in the Melbourne recruitment market for, oh, probably 10 years, and 10 or 11 years. Melbourne is very relationship-driven. And and by the time I set up my own recruitment company, which was sort of about nine years into that stint, I opened my doors and the business just flowed. Because of the relationships. Because I'd always done the right thing and I called it Crawford Consulting Group so that people would recognise my name. And the business walked in at all, all because I'd always done the right thing. So mm-hmm. I didn't then, I'd done all the hard yards in terms of putting myself in front of people, doing a really good job. Um, and then as soon as I opened my doors, I said, you know, that was the upshot of doing the right thing. Right thing. Yeah. yeah. So the story of the evolution of the holistic ingredient, I found truly inspiring. So can you share um, with the listeners how it all started? You spoke earlier of a catalyst, so... Yeah, so it was... It was I mean, it's... It, it, yeah, I pinch myself every day in terms of how it all came about. So in early 2011, I was, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, which had been a really slow decline over about 20 years. And it was so very bad that I couldn't look after myself. Um, and for those that aren't aware of the symptoms of chronic fatigue, there's a whole, there's a plethora of symptoms, but they'll include extreme fatigue. So, you know, there were days I literally couldn't put my hand above, my, hold my hands above my head to wash my hair. Um, I couldn't walk. I couldn't leave my home. I couldn't watch television or listen to music. I couldn't read a sentence. I, I had terrible brain fog and a terrible memory. Um, so it was totally debilitating. I couldn't socialise. I certainly couldn't work. Um, and so at this point, 
uh, I, w I had my own recruitment company that was that was really successful, but I knew that this was a sign that things needed to change and that this was my chance. So when I was diagnosed, I went to Tassie to live with my mum and dad at 39 years of age, which brought its own challenges. And what happened to the business? I shut it within... So I'd had years of testing and um, finally I was given this diagnosis and it was an absolute relief. It was, it was terrifying because I, I know that many with chronic fatigue never are never free of it. Mm. So I didn't know what it meant to me and my future, but when I was diagnosed, I had this... It was, you know, the, you know of course I was scared, but... The second thought that came into my head was, oh my gosh, this, something amazing is going to happen. I just had this, and it was with me the whole time during my recovery, that something incredible was going to happen. And people would ask me during that time, what are you going to do next? Are you going to go back to recruitment? And I'd say, no, I, I'm not. I know that I'm not. And I have no idea what I'm going to do next, but I know it's going to be amazing. Because I really felt it. It was extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So, so... The business, I had no choice but to close because I wasn't well enough to function even to for somebody else to look after it for me or even to go down the path of selling it. Yeah. I, I just literally sent an email to all my clients and candidates and said, and most of whom knew I was very unwell because they were hardly seeing me anyway, and said that, you know, this is what's happened and I'll be back, not knowing if I would be. Wow. And I never was. <laughs> so, so effectively what happened is I went to Tasmania and I, I was really very blessed because I had parents who were able to support me um you know I haven't got children so it it was it was an incredible experience in many respects because all I had to think about was my recovery and it was really all I could think about because I couldn't socialize as I said or you know see friends and work so my focus was purely to get my life back on track so when I went to Tassie um I I had toxicity readings off the Richter scale and so I literally had to detox my life in every it, from every angle, from my diet, you know, the, the, the creams and the chemicals that I was using in my home, on my skin, in my hair, everything went. And then, and then last but not least, it was mindset that really needed to change because so much of my recovery was hampered by my mindset and the fear of never being free and the fear of never having a normal life and, you know, the feeling of not being good enough and all these sorts of things. So anyway, basically by a year later, I was just well enough to come back to Melbourne, um, middle of 2012, with no idea what I wanted to do, um, but I just decided that all I could do was put one foot in front of the other in a direction that felt right, and, um, and I started just doing whatever made me feel good, which was just an incredible experience and learning in itself, because when you do things that you're really passionate about, that make your heart sing, that's when life flows. And that's where you get the most, You, I think, you reap the most rewards and the most yeah. success. Yeah, You attract what you put out there. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so effectively, to be really honest, the, the holistic ingredient came about as a result of my Instagram feed. <laughs> I'd started an Instagram feed when I got to Melbourne. I started taking photos of the food that I was eating every day with no idea what had happened. I've got no history in food or, you know, I certainly didn't think I'd have a career in food. But I started taking a photo of the food I was eating and um, people started following Many people started following and were really interested to know why I was eating this food and, you know, obviously my message was, was healing my body through whole food. And, and then, you know, the upshot of that is I needed then somewhere to put the recipes because I got sick to death of typing out recipes on Instagram. And also I loved writing and yep. I wanted to share my message. I wanted to somehow inspire others to clean up their lives so that others wouldn't go through a similar experience. Yes, yeah. So that's sort of that was what that was the catalyst really for the holistic ingredient blog that I set up, the very first one.
not as you say it now. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So perhaps um, let's talk um, a little bit about risk because I think um, risk is directly, well, there's a direct correlation between taking risks and failure. Um, so talk to us a little bit about your appetite for risk. Yeah, I think, I think I've got a really hearty appetite for risk, actually. Um, so much of this, as particularly in business, is is about our mindset. Yeah. Um, I believe that everything happens for a reason and that everything will work out exactly as it's meant to. And so I think it's really important that you shouldn't, you know, there's no point in investing energy into fearing something won't work out. Mm. Absolutely no point because the issue with that is that, that like energy attracts like energy. So if we're creating fear in our lives... You'll attract. Yeah. We attract whatever it is we don't want. Mm. Which so many of it, so many people, so many clients I see in my therapy practice manifest these amazing issues in a huge list of issues in their lives because all they do is think about what they don't want instead of thinking about what they do want. But at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that can happen? I Fundamentally, that. I yeah. believe that I will always be okay. I always. What is the worst thing? So I, I think exactly the same. And it's so funny because. Um, Every time I sit down and I, I start to have that fear about doing something and I ask myself that question and write down the worst things that could happen, yeah. they're never that bad. That's, that's absolutely like, right. The, the cycle really doesn't bother me. And I think really if you were to survey a whole bunch of people about this, yeah. the, I think what you would find is the real underlying issue is the fear of what other people think if you fuck up. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and social media just compounds that issue. Totally, yeah, absolutely. absolutely, and you know, and then and then if we take that a step further, it's really just the underlying feeling of not being good enough. Good enough, you know. If we if we realise how awesome we were, we wouldn't care what people thought. Yeah. So, what's the biggest risk in business that you've taken, and how did it play out? Um. Okay, so basically, when I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue, at that point, I had a really hefty what was meant to be a house deposit in my bank account. Um, and then obviously when I went to Tasmania, I couldn't work, but mm. fortunately, you know, many people go, Oh, what a shame. You've saved all this money. You could have bought a house. But in my view, the great thing about this was, well, I'm lucky to have this huge fund to mm. help sustain me over the next couple of years. Cause I may not be able to work for quite some time. Yeah. So when I came back from Tassie, I had probably only about a third of this money left and I really had to be very careful with the energy that I expended. Um, so I think this probably would be considered quite a risk. Once I'd set up my Instagram account and recognised that there was something around food that I could potentially incorporate this into a business, I decided to start working on my first ebook, A Nourishing Kitchen. Mm. And I, I was working in a friend's pottery studio a few hours a week, which is literally just covering my food. And I decided in my mind, I got so excited about this idea. I believed so wholeheartedly that this would work that all I did pretty much for sort of three or four months is worked in my kitchen on my own, recipe developing. Recipe after recipe after recipe because I, and I just, I believed in my heart that it would work. But at the same time, it was a huge risk because I, risk because I was running out of money thick and fast. Yeah, yeah. And if it hadn't taken off, then, you know, that, that would have been, all, all those funds would have been for nothing. And it's so, I mean, given we both come from sort of corporate backgrounds, when you start to live off your own money yeah. um, and you don't have that income stream coming through, it's so visible 
the number going down. It is so Do you know what I mean? And oh, it's totally. almost like a clock ticking in yeah. your head yeah. in terms of, like you say, it's all about mindset, Yeah. how you how you treat that and how you think about it. And it took me, when I walked away and decided not to go back and made that conscious decision, I'm never going back to corporate. Yeah. I think it took me probably nearly 12 months to get my head around, it's okay to live off your capital. I've, you know, I've, I've saved this money and gotten to the, into this position for exactly this point in my life. Mm. And now what it does is it buys me the choice to be able to now do what I love. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's and, exactly and right. And that's, and that's okay. And that's why I think it's so important that we're very careful of um, managing our perspective. So, as I said, I could have looked at this as, oh, what a disaster. I'd saved all this money. Now I can't buy a house. But, hey, what if I you know, change the way you look at things and the very things you see change? Yeah. Thanks, Wayne Dyer. And is the house <laughs> you know, the most important thing? Well, absolutely. Well, in this stage of my life... You know, it's not, I've had to let that go. No, me too. Right? I've just, it, it's not the most important thing. Um, but what the beautiful message that came out of this for me is that I followed my heart. I, I did what, you know, I got up every day so excited to create a new recipe. It's all I was thinking about and taking, learning how to take photos. And, you know, I'll really quickly mention as well that I spent three months working on that list of 75 recipes and then I lost every single one of them. Oh. I went up to Sydney to do some, to do some, learning some study around the CTC therapy that I provide and yeah. I took every single one of them on a bit of scrap paper because I was just writing on scraps of paper in my minute in a manila folder oh my god because I'm in the kitchen with filthy hands I took all of them up to Sydney thinking oh well, maybe at night I'll have time to sit there and type up my recipes I came back to Melbourne and left them in the bedside table of the service department I was working in oh my god realized they were there rang the service department and said um oh my goodness this is what's happened you know, I turned it on a bit and said that I've been very unwell for a few years and this is basically my rent for the next six months. And they said, oh, we'll get in contact with the cleaners. They found out the cleaners had thrown them out. I said, that's fine. I'll get on the next plane and come go through your recycling bin and the counsellor collected it that morning. So I lost a lot. And once again, tenacity or resilience. You just got on. I, look, I believe everything happens for a reason and I had a choice at that point. Energy being, having been such a big issue for me, the old Amy would have turned that into the biggest drama. I would have called my friends and everybody I knew and gone, oh my God, you won't believe what would have happened. And they would have tried to support me and they would have said, oh, you poor thing, what are you going to do for money? This is so bad, oh my God. And that would have really, I would have lost so much power to this situation. But instead, I took this on board and just thought, you know what, this has happened, This the universe has done this for a reason. To, to, to make me change my perspective and change the way I look at things. So... It's, so what I did is I stood up and I thought, well, all right. Um, I need to, change, to prove to the universe that I'm ready to make a different, more empowered choice about how I deal with things in my life, how I deal with such challenges. So I gave myself a couple of weeks break and then I sat back down and I started again. And I created, instead, I created 45 recipes. Yep. Um, quite quickly, thankfully, I remembered, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just refined the original version, basically. And it went to market and it was hugely successful I could probably have lived off that for months it was the most successful ebook I've done it was this you know it's um and it was the most amateur although I mean I think it's a beautiful ebook but you know yeah it was incredible what a great story Mm. Mm. it's a great story (laughs) (laughs) it was challenging that's for sure so let's talk a bit about fucking up because that's why we're sitting here on this couch yeah can you share with us a major fuck-up that you've had since you started The Holistic Ingredient? So, I want to preface this by saying, I mean, absolutely no disrespect to my web developers because I think they're amazing. 
<laughs> they've done a fantastic job. But look, I've thought long and hard about this, and I would probably say that my that investing the money that I have mm. into my current website was probably the biggest fuck up. Yeah. And mum, huge apologies if you listen to this podcast for my language. <laughs> um, she can blame me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, so effectively, so when I set up my business, I sat down, I had no, I wasn't very tech savvy. I built my own WordPress website Yep. and there were no bells and whistles. It was really, really basic, Basics. but I, I just, you know, I didn't have the money to throw into it. Um, and so I had the very bare basics, but it worked. Now, admittedly at that time, WordPress wasn't the right website for me, given particularly sort of probably a year or so later, I knew that I would be having products to sell. So I needed an online shopping platform, most likely. But I also felt, I also believed at the time that um, having a website with all the bells and whistles that looked amazing um, would bring incredible opportunities. Mm. And look, there's, I think there's probably a fair bit, fair, I think it's probably, it's good for your credibility if if your website looks professional and however... It cost a lot of money. And so the upshot of that is so that So you I, transitioned from WordPress to another um, to, platform? To Shopify, which is what I'm using at the yeah, moment. So, so you could sell your products. So I could sell my products. So yeah. I, you know, I've gone on to, 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 to author a number of different e-books, and so it's been wonderful for that reason. But that's a natural evolution of a lot of businesses. So you yeah. kind of started off with bare basics, and yeah, you're like, yeah. I've gotten to a point, I now understand where I'm heading. I need to upgrade what I've got and put another level of sophistication yes, around it. but I'll be honest. I think, so what I've, you know, and this... You know, the challenges that you face when you're on your own is that you can get so buried in everything you're doing day to day that you don't necessarily have time to do the research and to make the most, the best educated decisions. Yep. So what I tend to do is find, surround myself with people who I believe to be experts and trust that they'll make the right decision for me. Yeah. I do that. I have, and I knew since I did that. Um, unfortunately, what the result of this is that two years ago, um, when I had a WordPress website and less than half of the subscribers, much less than half the subscribers I have now, my website traffic was better then than it is now. Wow. And I still cannot get it up to the point that it was, even though I've probably tripled, if not quadrupled, my subscribers and, and my social media platforms. Because what WordPress is... Well, look, you know, um, many people could answer this a lot more succinctly than me, but WordPress is set up for bloggers. Yeah. Um, to... And in, in, in terms of SEO... Um, but for driving traffic, it's so much more effective, effective than yeah. Shopify. Yeah. So the issue, I guess what I'm getting to here is that, um, you know, whilst I knew I needed a, a website upgrade, I didn't need all the bells and whistles I've got. It's meant a couple of things. Um, what, what, what transpired, what was very interesting is that I contacted, well, some blogger agencies, you know, have been in contact with me over the last few years and, and to sponsor me to write product reviews and that sort of stuff and as having an online business that passive income is important to me um I'm, i actually made a couple of calls to introduce myself to some blogger agencies uh, over the course of the last year and a half and they're like are you a blogger what do you mean you're a blogger and they looked at my website and said but your website kind of looks corporate it, it was it was it was almost like it was too flash yeah uh and so it didn't look like a blog you know because it wasn't raw enough it wasn't, yeah, that's yeah, right. It was too shiny. Yeah. Um, so, so that, so that was, oh my gosh, that was gutting for me to hear that. Um, secondly, thankfully, I've learned how to manage my mindset 
And so I dealt with this okay, but the issue, obviously, when there's scarcity in our lives, particularly around money, is that it can then bring about a lot of fear. Yeah. So I spent all this money on this website, and so tens of thousands. And um, then what it came, what came about was this real need to, to, to make sure that I covered my investment. So, it, you know, it was about driving numbers and, and earning money to, to pay it. And I had all these expectations that I'd suddenly be given all these incredible opportunities because I had this flash website. And for a small business, it's all about cash flow. Yeah, of it, course. You've just got to be sensible. Just hold fire. Just seriously hold fire until you're feeling really comfortable with your income mm. before you invest this sort of money. It's so interesting because the one thing that I invested in when I started out in my own business was the website. And I'm like you. I, I um, thought, coming from a corporate background, having that next level of polish would instill um, trust yeah. and credibility. And a good friend of mine said to me the other day, um, when I was sort of reviewing my strategy for the year and reflecting on the year that was, and she said, when I go to your website, it feels corporate. Mm. And like you, for me, I was, I was gutted by that because I was like, oh my God, I, I yeah. felt like I got, you know, I was trying to make it look professional and I was trying to make it look great and I didn't want it to look corporate but I did want it to look like it was at that next level and in terms of small business. But what you don't realise is that sometimes it creates a totally different perception, yeah. which is not what you yeah. um, intended. And there's something nice in small business from a credibility perspective around that rawness. Yeah, there is. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so timing of doing that sort of stuff and yeah, knowing it's really when vital. it's right is, is vital. Mm. Mm. It's interesting, very interesting. Yeah. So, so what was sort of the biggest learning from, for you from this experience, not just in the context of websites, just in, in the context of you know, making a mistake and getting through it? I think... Um, yeah, I think probably the biggest learning in... Well, even, I guess it is a bit specific to that, but I think it is very important that you do always do your own, make, do your own research, yeah. educate yourself. You know, I, I don't love, I, I wear a number of different hats in my business and I, you know, as much as I want technology as an example to help improve my productivity, I, I'd rather someone just come in and tell me what I need to do and how to use it. You know, yeah. but I, and so, and I've had a tendency to sort of do that, just having a PA over the last couple of years. Um, even when I, my new web, website was built, she was responsible for putting the blogs on the website and um, putting, uploading the photos and all that sort of stuff. So I had no, I didn't feel particularly empowered in that respect because I, I sort of, I just handballed things to other people. Mm. But I think, I think what's really important is that we need to back our own decisions. We need, we need to know how everything functions within our business, we need to make sure that we've really done our research to mitigate risk to a degree. Especially if there's a significant investment. I mean, because yeah. you can't know everything. You, well, you can't be in everything, no. whether it's big or small business. I mean, yeah. you still have to prioritise, but you're right, when you're making a significant investment like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I think the learning for me is I perhaps, I could have done a lot more research about, tra I mean, I probably could have just Googled um, Shopify blog traffic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, simple and stuff. Absolutely, really simple stuff. So I think, I think, yeah, it, that made me realise that I had placed too much trust in others to, yeah. to convince me that I was making the right decision. decision. Yeah. So the next question, I'm really interested in your thoughts on this, given the sort of work that you do and the fact that, you know, I would, I would look at you as sort of, you know, um, a mindset expert based on the work that, that we've done together. So how do you stay positive when it all turns to shit? And are there any tools or resources that you leverage to keep your energy and your headspace mm. on the right path? I think 
I'm pretty fortunate in that I speak about this stuff every day. Yeah. So it's sort of instilled in me again and again and again. Um, fundamentally, as I've mentioned before, I believe that there is a blessing in every single challenge. It doesn't mm. matter what it is. So every time I go through a challenging time, whether it's a relationship breakup, whether it's a fuck up in my business, I always... I, I believe that everything happens for a reason. Every mm. person comes into our life for a reason is it, and that, that, that every mistake happens for a reason. So instead of sitting in there, sitting there wallowing in the pain or the hurt or the discomfort that I'm feeling, I, I very quickly turn it, change my perspective and look for what the learnings are and the blessings. Yeah. Because every time we go into a challenge, we always come out Stronger and a better version of ourselves. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's often the worst things that happen yeah. and when you think they're so bad at the time that end up fundamentally shifting your path yeah. for the better. Yeah, absolutely. That's been totally. my experience. Well, I, that's exactly right. So when I felt like I almost all but kind of lost my life when I was diagnosed with CFS, um, the absolute blessing, that was the best thing that's ever happened to my life because yeah, now yeah. I get to do what I love every day. Mm. So um, I think... You really, it's, it's just so important to change the way you look at things. You know, a good example I use in my therapy practice, for example, is, is, is the notion of rain. Now, rain, you know, it's wet stuff that falls from the sky. But, you know, to a farmer in drought, it's an absolute blessing. To a bride on a wedding day, it's a bit of disaster. But at the end of the day, it's just rain. So nothing has any meaning other than the meaning you give it. So, you know, rather than getting caught up in a challenging situation, why not just look for the reasons? Mm. And, and, and be really mindful as well that when you're happy and when you're just kind of wandering along through life and you're kind of happily doing your thing, you really don't learn much. That's the truth. You're really oh, not no. learning much no. when life's just a breeze and it's easy, but you learn so much. From um, being from, uncomfortable from, from, and... Yeah, from difficult situations yeah. and, yeah. Um, actually, the other thing I wanted to mention around that because, you know, in terms of other tools, which I think are really important to mention... You know, when we go through difficult times, that can create a lot of stress in our bodies. And I more than more than many appreciate that my health absolutely has to come first. Yeah. So there are certain things that I always do um, and that I implement in my day-to-day that help me maintain good energy and good health. And that's certainly around diet. Yeah. So diet is, you know, I, I believe that everything, whatever I put on my fork, Every day is the most important decision I'll ever make in my life, day to day. Mm. Um, I, you know, it's, it becomes it's as simple as just you know moving every day to sort of clear your brain and you know a meditation practice which works wonders for me. Um, and then you know good sleep, but also as a business owner, as a sole business owner, it's about I'm, I'm really strict about the hours that I work. Yeah. So rather than reacting to a really challenging crap situation where I might have lost a whole heap of money or whatever it is and then throwing myself into working 24-7, I recognise then that absolutely what I need to do is maintain balance in my life. So, mm. you know, I, it, it doesn't matter. I just, I, I get up from my desk at 5, 5.30 every day, irrespective of my workload. Yep. Because I know that the next day my energy will, will be so much better and I'll be so much more productive mm. if I'm fresh and well slept. Yeah. So I think it's important to to put... Oh, of course, it's always important to put your health first. Yeah. So my next question is an interesting one um, in the context of Australian culture. So do Mm. you think there is a culture around an aversion to fucking up or failure in Australia? Um, That's a really interesting question because actually I don't think there is a culture 
around fucking up. I actually think the culture um, in Australia is more around, I think the issue is more around success mm-hmm. and the whole tall poppy syndrome. Um, I think people, I think a lot of people are really fearful of success. I certainly think that people are really fearful of celebrating their success, um, not necessarily within their own team or within the household or within their, their, their network. But to celebrate success openly in Australia is frowned upon. Yeah. And, and I feel this so much in my practice and certainly when we, within my social media numbers. Yeah. So if I was to announce a little win in my business on social media, certainly on something like a platform like Instagram, I would lose followers markedly. Um, as an example, I, I had a, um, a great opportunity last year to speak on a US radio show, which was a, which was a wonderful experience. And you know, you'd like to think that those in your community would be really happy for you. Yeah, and want to elevate you. They'd and... be like, wow, how amazing. You know, what a great opportunity. And I shared it and said, just had this great experience on my first my first time on radio. And I spoke a little bit on Instagram about, you know, what it was about. And oh my goodness, I lost hundreds of followers. So, and I think this can be, I think if you care too much about your numbers instead of just focusing on building a community of like-minded people around you, this can be a real handbrake. Yeah. You've got to just, and, and I'll be honest, I've found, because my business is so much about my life and my journey, it feels quite personal. Mm. And, it, and I have to be very mindful and really conscious of letting go of the of numbers. And the well, the other thing I think that. we've spoken about previously is you've got to question... If those people aren't happy for you in that space, yeah. they're not the right people That's exactly to right. be following you anyway. No. But it's hard to think like that when you see such a massive decline. Yeah. Look, it is. It is. And also, I try and learn from these situations. So I think, well, you know, I question, well, is my messaging not on, is my messaging not right? I do think that some, that perhaps some of my, many of my followers don't understand my humour and, but, yeah. I, the, but the fact is, I can only be me. And that's I think exactly that's probably right. one of the, that's another wonderful learning um, that I've had in this business is that you you can only be you. You've just got to speak your truth and live your truth. And you know, as soon as you start trying to be somebody you're not, things come unstuck, mm. and people can smell a rash. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, my last question is really around: what tips can you share for other um, business owners who feel set back and disheartened by the mistakes they've made in their business and the reason I ask this is, I mean, I spend a lot of time with, you know, entrepreneurs and people people in um, lifestyle-type businesses, and constantly what comes up is this feeling of absolute overwhelm, mm. um, and also, you know, this this fear of, of making mistakes. So, you know, what, what, sort of, what sort of tips do you have to help people get past that disheartenment? Yeah. You know, I've made a, made a mistake and I'm overwhelmed. And also, isolation is an interesting one, because... Isolation compounds any mistakes you make, yeah? Yeah. When you're totally. on your own because you can totally make them to be bigger than what they really yeah, are. Yeah, absolutely. I think, oh, yes, and goodness, I know this. Because, I, I mean, I, I work from home and I see clients at home. So I often, it can often feel very isolating. Yeah. And, you know, there's, it's difficult when you work for yourself and certainly from home having that sort of, there's no real clear boundary at the end of the day. I think one of the most 
one of the most important things you need to do is absolutely surround surround yourself with people who are supportive, who inspire you, who lift you higher because, you know, what they say about a problem shared. Um, you need to get yourself, you need to get out of your own head, really, mm. and, get, and, and, and speak to people to get different pers- fresh perspectives on things. Um, and, you know, talking about perspectives, as I've mentioned before, it is, it's just imperative that you change your perspective instead of looking at something as a, as a fuck-up, as a serious mistake. Why not look at it as a blessing because of the incredible learnings you've had out of this? And also question, you know, really... Um, sorry, be, be, be very mindful that when you're going through a, a difficult period that you're not, you don't let a whole lot of self-doubt creep in because mm. this can be so detrimental to the and direction And so easy business. to do. Absolutely. Yeah. If you stop up and you go, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I can't do this. Maybe no one's going to believe me. Oh, you know, I feel like a fraud and what's the point? I can't do it. Look, I've, you know. But as soon as you do that, then we'll, that that's going to be... That will put a nail in the coffin. Mm. You know, so... Um, just because we make a mistake doesn't mean we haven't got what it takes to build an amazing business. Um, you know, as, as many of us know, some of the most successful business founders have made seriously big mistakes. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Silicon Valley, most of the time that you know, these venture capitalists, they don't invest in um, entrepreneurs or startups unless the, the entrepreneur or the founder has actually failed one or two times before because go. that's evidence that they're willing to take risks that's right. and push themselves you know, totally that, outside of their comfort zone. That's that's, it. And that they're resilient yeah. and that they're tenacious. But in yeah, Australia, just, that's, that's not how we look at things no. at all. And I think you, you know, made an interesting point about the overwhelm. I, it, oh, golly. I, I mean, I, I th- one of the reasons I became so unwell was because I, I, was, I had this addiction to adrenaline and I was perpetually overwhelmed and highly strung out in recruitment. I... I burnt the candle every year and there's no doubt about it. Um, but what I've come to understand is that, you know, we create our own reality. And as I've said before, nothing has any meaning other than the meaning we give it. So, for instance, if you were to look at your busy to-do list and what you need to do today, you could choose to allow yourself to get stressed and overwhelmed about the sheer volume of what you've got to do. Mm. Or you could look at this list and, 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 and take the time to understand that actually you don't have time to do those 50 things on your to-do list. That if you wanted to, you could just choose to do those five really important things and choose to do it calmly and with peace. Mm. You know, and that for me, learning that I was the power, that I had the ability to choose how I felt every minute of the day was a really significant learning for me, and particularly within my therapy practice. Because what's the point? You know, I, you know I, when I think about what I've got to do every day, if I wanted to, I could choose to get overwhelmed quite easily. Absolutely. But yeah. now I understand that I can't do it all. Um, I certainly know that there are things I need to let go of because I do try often and do it all. And some of the stuff that I'm doing is just not that important. So I think it's, you know, again, when you go through these periods, it's a good time to reassess, well, is there anything that I do need to let go of that's really no longer serving me? And whether that's relationships, friendships, work practices, you know, amazing pro- a project you thought was going to be a killer success. If it's, if it's creating fear or if it's creating strain and stress, well, maybe it's just better to let it go. Yeah. It's interesting because um, one of the conversations we had recently and, and the tools that you gave me, which was significantly powerful for me, since I started practising it, you talk about to-do lists and I think you know everyone's guilty, especially in their own business, of having these ridiculous to-do lists mm. that are totally unachievable. And, and as you say, focusing on doing five things peacefully yeah. is, yeah. is a lovely feeling. And yeah. I've started to do that, but the real gift that you gave me was 
sitting down at the end of the day, I used to constantly sit there and go, oh my God, I haven't achieved everything. Yeah, and so I'd be stressed before I even you know, got to that, that point where you should be relaxing at the end of the day. And you said to me, get to the end of the day and just say, it's enough. Yeah. And, and, and be at peace with that. And, yeah. and now I do that at the end of every day. I'm like, I look at what I've done and say, you know what? I have done things. I've achieved things. And it's enough. Yeah. And it's set like in terms of energy level and how I feel as I go into that relaxation period in the evening, which is so important. It just yeah. totally shifts everything for me. I think, you, I mean, you'd probably agree that it's very easy to get to the end of the day and focus on what you haven't done. Absolutely, because I'm like you, you in done. terms of your old mindset, you know, in yeah. terms of when you're in that corporate world, it's almost like they train you yeah. to operate at a million miles an oh, hour. Totally. And it's never enough. No. Um, oh, no. And I mean, particularly in recruitment, it was a numbers game. Yeah. I, I knew it was scientific. I was taught that so many phone calls... Would have t- would I, that I knew exactly how many phone calls I needed to make to get a meeting with a client, how many clients I needed to make to get to pick up a job, how many jobs I needed to earn to place X number of candidates every month in order to earn X amount of dollars each month and across the year. I, mm. I had it down pat. And, but in my view, I could always have done, you know, during that time I could always have done better. I could always met more clients and made more money and, you know, but that made me so terribly sick. It was... But, but now it's, you've got to be mindful of just even noting down. I think it's easy to forget what you've, what you've, you've done, the little wins, isn't it? Because there's no one to pat you on, your, on the back yeah. when you're in your own business because yeah. you're just always moving on to the next. That's right. The next thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Mm. It's interesting. Um, okay, well, that concludes all of our questions. So just want to say thank you so much for your time today. But just lastly, can you briefly share with us where we can find out more about you? Yes. And what you're up to? Yes. Um, so I, my, my website is theholisticingredient.com. Yeah. So for those that aren't aware, it's an online wellness hub that, and I provide lots of whole food recipes and, and tips around mindset and clean living and all that sort of thing. Um, and also on Instagram... Uh, similar messaging uh, the holistic ingredient and on Facebook holistic Great. ingredient thanks and so much thanks so much for having me Penny it was a pleasure Cheers. okay to find out more about Big Kindred and how we are empowering and elevating female entrepreneurial types just like you please visit us at bkindred.com.au or follow us on Instagram at b.kindred I look forward to you joining us next time. Bye for now.